the beginning. The beginning of time. Let's find out what God has to say, the author and creator of time and existence and life. Stay tuned. This is Joseph Brownlee, your host of Connecting the Dots. Joseph Brownlee, your host of Connecting the Dots. Genesis, the beginning. How much do we know about Genesis, the beginning? Many of us have read, many believers have read, I believe the book of Genesis. Some read from, I have read uh, the book of Genesis several times all the way through the 50 some chapters to the end of Joseph. I have read the book of Genesis through uh, several times myself, but I'm talking to the ones that read it one time or, you know, read the beginning of Genesis. Genesis 1, creation, going all the way through the form of man, and through the fall of man and et cetera, stuff like that, and really got a good picture of Genesis, okay? Connecting the dots. Let's connect the dots. Let's get some real meaning. Let's get a real breakdown of Genesis. Okay, I, I started a series, a little short series of Bible <coughs> verse reading, and... I wanted to start with Genesis. What what good place to start with Genesis? People always say, what, when you're a believer, what book should you start with when you read the Bible? Excuse me. I always say go to Romans. You know, the, because you are a child of God, you're part of the body of Christ. So I always lead new, newbies, new believers into Romans for, you know, the breakdown of our doctrine, which is the church, the body of Christ. That's just me. But you want to know about history and stuff like that? You can read any part of the Bible if you want. There's no chain of telling you not to. But I believe for a new beginner, he should start on his doctrine of learning what Jesus done for him. But it's okay to go back to the Bible as well and learn who Jesus was. It's very important what Jesus did, who Jesus was talking to, why, when, and where. It's very important when you learn how to study the Bible. When you learn how to study the Bible the right way, it will be more easier when you read it. Also, when you study, learn how to rightly divide God's word dispensationally, it's harder for you to get deceived or hoodwinked or bamboozled or bamboozled or hoodwinked. It's hard. Why? Because you understand dispensations. You understand dispensation in administration. You understand what program you are in. You understand what program that the author or what people at whom the author was talking to. So it's hard for you to be deceived. It's hard. And if you do be deceived after learning how to rightly divide God's word, it's because you want to. You just don't want to let go your traditional teachings or your traditional learning. Okay, that's that's just that's one of the reasons why you're not accepting certain things when you hear this type of teaching that me and others teach when it comes to rightly dividing God's word 
or the teachings of the Apostle Paul. You also learn that the Apostle Paul's teaching was different than the twelve apostles, even Jesus' earthly ministry. Put uh, emphasis on Jesus' earthly ministry. Jesus have two programs. He have an earthly program. He has a heavenly program. Therefore, he have there are several gospels in the Bible. But when it comes to salvation, there's the gospel of the grace of God, which is for us today, and there's the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, which for time, which was for a time past is going to be for ages to come, ages to come, meaning the future. Okay, through the tribulation, the millennial reign of Christ, and etc. stuff like that, all that jazz. Okay, so that's very important to know that. So this what I'm what I'm doing now is for believers only. If you're unbelievers, okay to get through, you can learn something out of it, but you will not get as much fruit and meat as uh, compared to being a believer, a child of God, a part of the body of Christ, because it's an organism. Your spirit will be made alive, you'll be made alive. That's why I put emphasis on Bible study for believers only, for the connecting the dots. Okay. I'm reading through Genesis. I stopped at Genesis 1. I read through 1 and 10. I'm not going to go back through all that. You have to go to the previous teaching on Genesis. I'm going to be doing these in gaps, so I'm not going to be doing it right after each other. Like this is the weekend. This is May 14th, so I'll be doing a couple of segments from Genesis 1 and 10, and I'm going to do a few more. I kept it a little longer than last time, but I, I'm going to try not to, try not to, to keep it that long. But if I do, it's okay. If I keep it 30 minutes, 35, it's okay. But uh, we'll see. Because it takes time sometimes to break down uh, different verses if you're trying to give a, a breakdown of a word or a better understanding. That's why I use the Living Bible to make it more plainly for some listeners to understand, to give a better breakdown. So I'll be using the King James Bible, which is the main Bible. Well, I break down the King James, that ought, to, that ought to give you an understanding in itself. But if not, I would read it out of the Living Bible. If it lines up with the King James Bible, I'll let you know. If it don't, I'm going to let you know where that's not correct. That's not what it means in the King James Bible. Remember, the kings, people always said they use Greek and they use Hebrew, and I'm not against that. But according to the history of Greek, Greek changes, it uses all type of interpretations in the Greek. Therefore, when a King James Bible was written by these God-fearing scholars, when the King James Bible was written, they already done a breaking down in the Greek and the Hebrew already for you in the old and Aramaic and the old English. Know, lexicons and stuff like that. They already have done that, if I'm, if I'm saying that right. So you don't need no other deeper, deeper, deeper translations of certain things And when it comes to King James. You don't need someone interpreting what the King James Bible meant because it already done is Greek study. These are real scholars, deep scholars that already done their deep training and scholarly scholar and um word study already when it broke down the King James Version in the English, Old English literature. That was already done. See, that's my point. So you don't need all these different Greek and Hebrews. Okay to learn that, but it becomes confusing to me. I don't think God wanted us to just try to get Greek and Hebrew books and stuff like that. We get above ourselves. We think we're more smarter than everybody else. We start using Greek and Hebrew for everything. I hear different Coats and they just breaking down real word meanings and stuff. The Greek words, the Greek that man, you go, man, you out of pocket, man. 
the King James Bible and some other translations, but the King James Bible already done that. They've done the correct Greek. There's wrong Greek and there's right Greek. Well, let me listen to you. There's right Greek and there's wrong Greek when it comes to interpretation. A lot of the interpretation that's trying to interpret the King James Bible is wrong Greek. <coughs> Hebrew, whatever, wrong Greek. So they already done the Greek work. We just have to find out and learn ourselves what these words means in the original correct Greek. Okay? All right. Which is already done for you. All right. You just have to understand what the words mean. All right. So uh, uh, what did I say there? Because people going to always have their different interpretations of certain words and meaning when it comes to the Bible. That's just man. That's just man. That's just going to happen. So it's a lot of two... Oh, it's, it's too much overkill when it comes to Greek and Hebrew. You don't need Greek and Hebrew. It's okay, but you do not need it. Okay? It's already been done and broken down in the King James. You know, Aramaic and all that stuff. All right. My first study was from 1 to 10 when I was when I was reading the book of Genesis. And I gave you a breakdown of that the best way I can when it came to the wording. Now I'm going to start off in 11, okay? So let's go to 11. Give me, a, give me some more time and then we're going to go to 11. You have to go back to the previous 1 to 10 to catch up on 11, okay? That's for the ones that's just tuning in. Okay, just go back. It'll be right there on the on the, uh, the podcast, on the other segments, okay? All right. Also, I want to remind everybody, I hope you, the ones, I hope you listen to my teaching on God's Secret, which I started last year sometime, called God's Secret of uh, Mary and Manly. <clears throat> I finally got through with that book. It is very important. It's very a very good book. My recommendation is for you all to get that book by Mary and Manly. I am recommending that you get that good teaching by Mary and Manly out of Manly, out of San Diego, California, called God Seeking. You can you can buy it on Amazon. It's very affordable. Uh, it's only a few dollars, what three, four dollars, something like that. You can also get it even cheaper on on if you have a Kindle Fire or or, or you have some type of audio book or some type of reading online or something like that. You can also get it for a cheaper price. I use I have Kindle because I have a Kindle Fire, so I get it much cheaper. You know what? Crumbs. But it shouldn't be, why do we, we always trip when it comes to paying for saying we think everything should be free, free when it comes to learning God's word. No, some people need to take care of what they put into it, you know, so I can understand that we need to respect that because some people need to be compensated of what they put into. They put the hard work in. We can't pay a few dollars to get their books. We think everything got to be free. Come on, let's get off that, you know. Come on, stop it. All right. This is capitalism. That's how we make a little world. And most of these make a little of our income. Most of these uh, godly men and women are doing it not because of profit. They're doing it because they're just try, trying to take, put back in uh, what, the, what the money or their spaces they invested in it to get it out to us, okay? So it's okay to pay for these books. I don't mind at all when it's rightly divided, when it's the right, correct teaching. It got to be correct, okay? Some books are overpriced. I mean, they just, and they, these people are doing it a lot of times. They're doing it for profit. Not all, but some of them doing it for profit, for profit. So, you know, these series and different series, you're paying hundreds and hundreds and sometimes thousands for software and stuff like that that you don't need, and you pay for that, but you don't want to pay for a simple way of of someone helping you how to read God's word. Also, I don't have I don't mind paying a lot of money for a good King James study Bible. It's worth it. Paying $50, 60 70 for a good a good Bible, a good decent Bible. 
it's worth paying. King James for me, whatever for you, but it's worth getting it if you got good study notes and stuff like that. Okay, that ain't what, what, I'm, what I'm talking about, but I want to throw that out there. All right, let me get into this. Genesis, meaning the beginnings, the first book of Moses. Remember I told you the five book, first five books of Moses uh, <coughs> was written by Moses. The five books of the Bible was written by Moses, excuse me. And Genesis, it means the beginnings. You know, I, I broke that down. You can go back and listen to that. All right, let's go to verse 11. I'll start off in verse 10 when I said, And God called the dry land <coughs> earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. He gave them names. He called the dry land earth. This is King James Bible now. And he called the waters, he called the seas. It was just waters at first. It was called the seas. You got to remember, the reason I'm saying that because how do we understand what these words came from water and seas? From the Bible. Man didn't make this up. This is from the Bible. God gave these names. Whether man would say something different, I don't care what, what, what atheists say or whatever. These names came from God, from the Bible, waters and seas. It was broke down, okay? Water was what's waters. God called it seas. So remember that. God saw that it was good perfect. Anything that God made is good, which is good. If God made it, it's perfect, okay? It's perfect, as in perfect, all right? As in perfect, all right? Complete, all right? Verse 11, and God said, this is Genesis 1, verse 11, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb, yielding seed, and the fruit tree, yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. Let me read that again. Remember the King James Version. Sometimes you have to read it slow because it sounds kind of goofy if you're not used to reading the King James. You're so used to reading other translations that make it clearer. So I'm going to read it out of the King James, and then I'm going to read it clear out of the Living Bible. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. In other words, when God said, let the earth bring forth the grass, you know what that means. He said, let grass come. Grass came, okay? And the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree. Fruit trees mean fruit trees, okay? Fruit trees after his kind. Now, what does the King James mean when it says his kind? After the same kind. Some translations, most translations probably have the same kind. Okay. After the same kind, let's read it in the Living Bible. It says the land produced vegetarian vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants, trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produce plants and trees of the same kind. So that's what they mean when it says of his kind. The Bible is talking about in the King James, the same kind, the same kind of fruits. And God mentions that a lot when it even comes to animals, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. And God saw that it was good. God saw that it was perfect, okay? I hope I got that, all right? Verse 13, and the evening and the morning was the third day. The evening and the morning was the third day. In other words, the evening passed and the morning came. See, that's that, see the King James becomes a little confusing sometimes, but when you learn what it's really saying because of the English, it's the way the old English, what they was the way talking, but it meant the same thing as the evening passed and the morning came, make market the third day. In other words, those days passed. So when evening passed and the morning came, that was the following day, making it the third day. That's all that's saying right there. It don't have to be that complicated. And the evening and the morning were the third day. Okay, 
And God said, let there be lights in the firmament. Remember I told you what the firmament was. God said, let there be light in the firmament. In other words, God said, let there appear light in the sky to separate the day from the night. In other words, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven and divide the day from the night. See, and let the and let them be signs for the seasons, for days and years. In other words, what, what does this Bible say that? That should be also said. Science means it's going to be a certain change in the atmosphere. When it's wintertime, I'm gonna use this as an example. When things start dying, getting warmer and the ice and snow start melting, that's a sign. That's a change that what? That spring is coming. It's finna get warmer. That's what the Bible means. It's signs, okay? Signs. So let them be signs to mark the seasons, you know? Let there be signs for the seasons. In other words, okay, that all, that's also a way that man can tell the days and the years from different sides. And these different atmospheres, these different changes helps man to understand the difference from days and years. God is an amazing God. So the signs are for the season, the changing of the winter and to spring, the changing to the spring and to the summer, the changing. It depends what country you live in too as well because some countries got four seasons like the United States and some don't, you know. But it's always a season. Some, some countries got certain seasons. But it's always a sign, no matter what countries, that some nations in the United States, I can speak for the United States, so let's talk about summer, spring, winter, and fall, four seasons. Those are signs. When it, it's always a change when those seasons come. So that's what the Bible means when it says, let there be signs and four seasons and four days and four years. That's how you know the difference between days, years, nights, whatever, because of what? The seasons, okay? That's verse 14. 15, and let them be for lights in the firmament. Remember I said the firmament. <coughs> Excuse my throat and dry. means the sky. And to give light upon the earth. And it was so. 16. And God made two great lights. Okay, listen carefully. 16, verse 16, 1 and 16 in Genesis. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day. And the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Now what two lights do you think there are? Just guess. Just guess. Two great light. What are the two greater lights that you can see visually? The sun and the moon. Right? Correct? And God made two great lights. Okay? The greater light to rule the day. What is that? Sun. And the lesser light to rule the night. The lesser light. What is that? The moon. God also made stars also. Now there's different stars and people have interpretations of what stars means and whatever like that. But I'm just going with the Bible and so I'm trying to get ahead. I ain't trying to add none to it. But it's just talking about the sun for the day, the moon for the night, for the light. If it wants for a moon, even though dark is dark, just imagine if you didn't have the moon. If you didn't have the moon. Sometimes the moon is very visible, whether it's a whole moon or some people might call it full moon. Or it's a half a moon. That helps at partial of light. I ain't talking about what man made light poles. I'm talking about light itself. Because without light poles and nothing like that, remember, this is the beginning. So without that moon, it would be dark, pitch black. You wouldn't see nothing without the moon. The same as the daytime of the sun. Verse 17, and God set them in the firmament. God set the sun and the moon in the firmament of the heaven. Now, which heaven? Mostly in the outer space. We can see it, but it's mostly in the second heavens. And God set them in the firmament. Remember the firmament. I'm reading from verse 17. And God set their lights in the sky and to the light of the earth. See, we can see it. Even though they're set out in the heavens, 
the second heavens, which is outer space, we can see it on the first heaven because that's how bright and powerful they are. God set it up that way for us to see the heaven and the moon on the first heaven, which is the earth. But it's coming from the second heaven, the atmosphere, I mean the outer space and where the stars are. Now, you know God didn't set the stars on the earth. He set the stars in the heavenly places, the second heaven, you know. All right. And God set them in the sky, which is the firmament, and to give light upon the earth, just for light. Okay, verse 18. And to rule over the day, I'm continuation of verse 17. And to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness of God saw that it was what? Perfect. Good. God said that it was good. Let's go to 19. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. It's a continual day. See, these days and cycles always begin with the morning and the evening and the night. See, this is a this is a perfect realm that God has got us going. How the evening and the day and all this transforms, okay? Or coming to existence. And God said in verse 20, let the waters bring forth abundantly. Let's go to the next page. The creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth and the open firmament of heaven. Now, what heaven is he talking about? The first heaven, the earth. See, we must know that when he's talking about the heaven, people see hear the word heaven. A lot of people, they think about, you know, heaven where God is at. You know, and I'm not saying everybody, but you got to understand there's three firmness. There's three heavenly places. We got to know which one he is talking about when you read in the Bible. Or if you don't, you will be confused, okay? You will be very confused. So when it says, the creature hath life and found that may fly above the earth and in the open firmament of heaven, according to verse 20, it says, then God said, let the water swarm with fish. Remember the fowl. Fish is fowl. Let the water swarm fish and the other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. That's all that's saying. Remember, fowl is what? Fish. That may fly above. Okay, let me read this again. Let the water swarm that fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. That's all this verse is saying. Okay? Let every fowl and let let every fish in the sea, and they would uh, fly, fly above the earth to in the open of the firmament of heaven. Talk about the first heaven on earth, okay? Verse 21. And God created great whales. He's naming them now. Now, he named this as well. We're going to get to earth with, uh, with God. Well, I don't name the creatures, but let's just keep the Bible in context, see? Okay? Let's go to 21. And God created great whales and every living living creature that moveth which with the which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind in other words remember their kind mean after the same kind so it was several okay and brought forth abundantly after their same kind that means there was there was there were several kinds okay that was the same and every winged fowl after his kind and God saw that it was good so God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries or walks and swarms in the water, and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind, and God saw that it was perfect, that it was good. See, all this stuff was perfect. Keep that in mind. All this stuff was perfect. The fowls, the fish, the uh, the birds, the great whales, all that was perfect, okay? This was before the curse. This was perfect, okay? Let's go to 22. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. So God what? Verse 22 is God blessed them. Blessed the who? 
the creation, the ones above, the first above, the great wells, the fish and the fowl. He blessed them and he told them to be fruitful and multiply. So it wasn't only, that was God didn't only tell man to do that. He told what? He told his creations, his creatures to do the same thing. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and that fowl multiply in the earth. Now remember, it's saying God, 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 Yahweh, Jehovah as we call him. Yahweh is because they can pronounce his name. They couldn't even pronounce his name. They couldn't even spell it right. So Yahweh. So God seen that it was good. Okay. And this is verse 22. All right. 23. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. You understand them? This was the fifth. Just saying this was the fifth day. And, and, and evening past the morning came making it the fifth day. This was the fifth day God created, created all this on the fifth day. 23, and the evening and the morning were the fifth day. 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind. In other words, after the same kind. Cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after his kind, the same kind, and it was so. In other words, it was God is saying this. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal. This is a plain, layman way of saying it. Each producing offspring of the same kind. Livestock small animals and that scurry along the ground and wild animals and that is what happened that is what happened god said let it be see calling all this to existence remember he's not doing this with his hands god god is all powerful he's omniscient he's omnipresent he he, he just speaks things to existence he's the only one who can do that no one else can do that he's the only one who can do that so, jesus is god jesus made the seed stop now you have pictures of Jesus with his hands out, or you make you see movies of Jesus saying "Peace be still," and it's showing him uh, having his hands out. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Maybe he just said, "Okay, just be still." We don't know. But Hollywood and movies and photos have him hand, holding his hand out. I don't know if he done it or not, but I know he's spoken into existence. He don't have to do that, okay? Twenty-five, and God made the beast of the earth after his kind, or of the same kind, and cattle after their kind of the same kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after the same kind or his kind and God saw that it was good remember every time you hear me say that good is perfect I'm just putting perfect in there because anything God made before the curse was good was perfect okay 26 and God said let us make man in our image now we're getting into man the creation of man now let us make man in our image I want you to listen to these verses very closely because I know a lot of us miss this. And I'm saying us, including my, us, including myself back in the past. When you read the Bible slowly, especially King James Bible, you see a lot of things you miss when you just read it fast. It's hard enough reading the King James Bible, let it long, reading it fast. That's why you read it slow. And there's probably some things you probably missed. Let me read this slow. Then I'm going to read it. And God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Now, as many interpretations, so as many ways that you can look at when God says us. People might think it's talking about angels or whatever like that. You know, I'm going to go on the old school. I'm just going to say it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I can be wrong, but this is what I'm getting at. This is when it says us. I'm going to say it's God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I can be wrong, but I believe that us means the God, the Father, in our image because it's the, anything that's made after God's image, even if it's angels, it's not the angels. 
God said, let us make man in our image. It ain't talking about us as an angels. It's, I believe it's talking about the triune, the trinity that's not in the Bible, the triune, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's what I believe. That's my interpretation. That's what I believe. I'm going to stand on that. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, remember, image and likeness doesn't mean you look just like them. It doesn't mean that. It just means, remember, God is invisible. We will see the real essence of God, the presence of God, when we go to the heavenly places. But to the normal man eyes, God says, and God is invisible, okay? So he's talking about the image of his ways and in his likeness and in our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish. Stop. Let them. Okay, this is verse 26. Let them. Joe, why are you stopping right there? Let them. Okay have dominion over fish and the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Why is God saying, let them? First he goes, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them. Why is it them? I thought it was one man. Hmm, interesting. Why is it them? It's, it's the, I'm, I'm getting somewhere now. Let them have dominion over the fish. I'm going to let you dwell on that and I'm going to tell you. Of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creepy thing that creepeth upon the earth. That them is who? That's Adam and Eve. You said, Joe, yeah, but the Bible said, God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them. Yes, that's Adam and Eve. And remember, where was Eve before God created her? Eve was inside of man. Remember God, I'm getting ahead of myself, so I'm just going, remember God, where God got Eve from. So I'm going to just leave it like that, okay? I'm going to break that down later, so I'm not going to break it down, but I want you to remember that. Put your emphasis on them. In verse 26 in the King James Bible, God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them. Let me read the Living Bible and see what the Living Bible says. This is very interesting. All right, this is verse 26. All right, let's see what the Living Bible said, just for curiosity's sake. The God said, let us make human beings. They said human beings. See, the Bible said, let us make, see, see, see the difference? God said, let us make man in our image. But the Living Bible says human beings. So they are interpreting it the wrong way, human beings. It says man in our image. So I'm a, you know, and then it says in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So I'm going ahead of myself. So God, I just gave the answer. But God said, let us make human beings in our image, living Bible, to be like us. They will reign over the fish and the sea. So the reason the living Bible, I believe, is saying human beings is they just going ahead and just trying to interpret what they believe, what the King James is saying. When God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, he's meaning man and woman. So they breaking down human beings. They saying human beings, but it's saying man and woman. That's all this is saying. Them have dominion over the fish. Man means woman because woman was in there and man, okay? Have dominion over the fish. And the see, I'm going to break down the difference between one and two. 
chapters. Dominion over the fish in the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creepy thing that creepeth upon the earth. So you know now, God said, let us make man in our image and let them, he's talking about man and woman. Man, woman was already in the man. So he's talking about man and woman. Let them. In other words, they created. You can look at it this way. They already created. Now I'm going to tell you what. Joe, what are you talking about? Okay, let's keep going. So God created man in his own image. This is 27. Listen closely. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female he created the he them. Sounds confusing, doesn't it? But it don't have to be. So God created man in his own image. Remember, image means his likeness, his ways. Not so much like a twin looking like God. Remember, God is invisible. <clears throat> in the image of God created he, him, male and female. Remember, a woman came out of man, so he created male and female. Why does the Bible present it like this? I'm going to let you know. He created he, them. Why it sounds confusing. If he created man, what did the female? I thought she came later. Well, let's get into that later on, okay? 28, and God blessed them. Them meaning Adam and Eve. But they didn't have they didn't have their names now. It wasn't Adam, remember? Remember, the Bible says male in the King James, and it says woman. The woman named, she got named later by Adam, okay? So that's why the Bible says them. All right, female, in other words. And God blessed them. She wasn't Eve yet. The name wasn't given yet, okay? God, the Bible doesn't even mention Adam. It just mentioned man. Why? I'm going to let you know. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. You know what be fruitful means. You know what that means. I ain't got to say much about that, making love and stuff like that. And be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea. That means they will be, they will have power, they will have authority over all the fish in the sea and over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Adam and Eve both have dominion over all of that. Man and female. I'm just, you know I'm talking about Adam and Eve, but they have, their names have not been pronounced in the Bible yet. So it's man and female. Let's just stay in context. It's for a reason. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree and which is the fruit of tree yielding seed. To you it shall be meat. Now remember, Let's read this in context. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb, herb, you know what herb is, bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of the tree, yielding seed, to you it shall be for me. Now, you read all these, what you read, you read herbs, vegetables, vegetables. You don't see no meat. So why does the Bible call that? It calls it meat because meat is interpreted food. In other words, that's all it is. When you think of meat, when you read the Bible, especially King James Bible, don't think of meat as in flesh. Why? Remember, there was no eating flesh back then. Before, in the beginning of time, before the curse, there was only vegetarians. They only ate the fruits and the veggies. There was no meat eating. Meat eating, eating came after the curse. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want people to understand. When it says meat in the King James, meat means food. That's all it is. It was vegetarians. So the man, male and the female was vegetarians. There was no meat eaten. And to every beast, to 30, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, which is the birds, and to everything that creeps upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so, in other words, for food. 
Meat means food in the Bible when it comes to Jim. Remember, meat means food. There was no flesh eating, okay? That comes later. Meat, the male and the female was vegetarians. They didn't eat no animals. No, animals was perfect then. There was no need for this. They ate vegetarians, okay? I'm going somewhere. 31, and God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. This happened on the sixth day. I'm going to stop there. Interesting. Now, just break it down that little bit, little bit right there. You probably never even read this before. A lot of you probably never have. You're wondering about what's going on with them and female and everything like that. I thought, blah, blah, this happening. And then he took it. Yeah, we're going to get into that in two, but I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Before I get a setup for uh, Genesis 2, <clears throat> I want to give you a breakdown of Genesis 1. Now, you ever heard of the word parentheses? Genesis 1 is like a parentheses. It's like a historical look of what God done. It's not the actual time is happening. From Genesis all the way down, creation, all the way through the creation of male and female, the seas and whatever like that, it's a history. You know how you give a parentheses, you give a short history breakdown. This is not exactly happening at this particular time, at this particular time in Genesis 1. That's why when you go to Genesis 2, you're going to have the actual genealogy and the format of what you just read in Genesis 1. Joe, I'm confused. Okay, let me try to unconfuse you like I need to unconfuse myself. In other words, when I read Genesis 2, Genesis 2 is going to break down the order how this happened. Genesis 1 happened. It's just like you're reading a story. You know, uh, I done this years ago, blah, blah, blah. Then I built this and then I built that. And then I had a family and blah, blah, and whatever like that. I'm giving you a quick overview of what a breakdown. That's not the actual way it happened, but that's just a breakdown of how it happened. You know, it's just like a history of what happened. But if you was in there in that history, you will have the correct format. Not saying that this is incorrect, but this is just like a breakdown, like a parenthesis. In other words, if I'm using that parenthesis correctly, chapter two is going to uh, going to break down in order. In other words, it's saying, blah, 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 dust the heavens and the earth was finished and all the hosts of God. And, the, and then when you, get the, um, when you get down further in verse 4, I know I'm getting ahead of myself in 2 and 4, then it says, these are the generations of the heavens. Okay, I'm going to stop there because when I, don't go back uh, chapter 2 and the first three verses. Go to verse 4 and then the generation is going to break it down in order. Have all this that you have read in verse 1 really in chronological order happened, okay? Keep your mind on that. I know you're confused. You will be unconfused when I get to Genesis 2. God bless you all. This is Joseph Brownlee of Connecting the Dots. Joseph Brownlee of Connecting the Dots. Let's have fun of learning Genesis all the way up to the end of Noah. God bless you all. Salvation is today. Give your life to Christ by believing in his death, burial, and resurrection. Believing and receiving is the way to be saved. According to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. That's the way to be saved by believing that in your heart 
with a true broken contrite heart, believing that receiving that your sins have already been taken care of according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 19. So the doors are open. All you have to do is believe that they was taken care of and believe it and receive the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ in your heart and you and your life and you will be saved. God bless you. You can say that Jesus is the Lord of my life now because you accepting him. Yes, he's the Lord of your life by believing in his death, burial, resurrection. You accepting him, yes, by believing in his death, burial, resurrection. Not before. You have to believe and receive to be saved. God bless you all. This is Joseph Brownlee of Connecting the Dots. Joseph Brownlee, Connecting the Dots. Stay tuned for Genesis 2 on my next study in about a week from now. God bless you. Love you all. Bye-bye.